This week on S4C, we are back. Scorio's back. Season opener, Welsh Premier League. Back with a bang at newly promoted Carnarvon Town, facing the stars of the show last year. Winners of the playoffs to reach the Europa League, Kevin Druids. We've got a 5 o'clock on Sunday, live on air with a 5.15 kickoff. Carnarvon Town against Kevin Druids. Can't wait for the new season. We're all excited. The crew will all be there. Malcolm Allen, Dallin Ebenezer, Nicky John, Nick Parry, myself. Make sure you tune in this Sunday, 5 o'clock on S4C. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen About his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot. back ladies and gentlemen to the Longman's Football World podcast. I say the Longman's Football World today we're having a little change of direction. We're venturing into another world, the rugby world, with an absolute legend of the sport. Who better to sit down and get a bit of insight into the rugby world than the man with over 100 caps for Wales, many appearances for the Lions, a man who after finishing playing has stepped into the coaching side of things and having a Hugely successful period with the Scarlets. He is, of course, Mr. Stephen Jones, a man who I got to know over a decade ago. Uh, had a couple of rounds of golf together, hadn't seen each other for a long time, and then just in the last couple of months, uh, stumbled upon each other again. Played in the same six-a-side football team for a special CEO football day uh, that the FAW were putting on, and then uh, arranged to meet for this conversation at the Cozy Club in Pontcana. So thanks to them for uh, allowing us to use their space. Little quiet room upstairs, couple of coffees, um, and just talking all things football and rugby. So hopefully it's a conversation that you guys enjoy. I certainly enjoyed getting to know and getting the insight from a man who was in the elite class when he was a sports person. Hopefully you guys enjoy. This is Stephen Jones. Here we go, Stephen Jones, the first rugby player or the first man from the rugby world to come on the Longman's Football World podcast. What an honour. It is a massive honour, yeah, I'm touched by that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's not for lack of trying, actually, uh, you know, we haven't seen each other for, for many years, 
until we uh, our paths crossed a couple of weeks ago. We'll get into that later, I'm sure. <laughs> I did send a couple of messages to Ryan Jones, who first of all agreed to do it, and then I couldn't get hold of him. And then he agreed to it again through AJ, who's his wife, used to be my physio. And then he went off the radar, didn't he? Yeah, he's a tricky man to uh, track down, uh, is Ryan, yeah. Uh, he, uh, he leaves the, the excuse that he's busy with the uh, community game in uh, Welsh Rugby. Uh, he's got hide behind that. <laughs> he's, he's got lots going on, yeah? yeah? He has got a lot going on, in fairness to him. He's spinning a lot of plates. I, I, see, um, I see he's and, and Shane Williams as well. Two, two of them have really taken to uh, the triathlons mm. and extreme triathlons, the ultras. Not for you? Definitely not, not for me. Uh, you know, I wonder what motivates them. I have to be honest. Uh, you know, Ryan and Shane, they have you know jumped into it and they absolutely love it. They put some serious hours in, mm. uh, and you know, not, not so, you know they've finished one, they signed up for the next one, and uh, you know they, they're doing well. You know, and, uh, it's pretty competitive in fairness between uh, those two guys. I know uh, Ian Goff, the ex uh, second row player, he's done a lot as well. So uh, really, yeah, it's just that that competitiveness ingrained in that. It's it's ingrained in all of us that have played sport. Yeah, it is, and obviously it's probably you know it's like when you finish, it's uh, it's quite a big void to, to fill, and obviously uh, they've gone down the, the triathlon uh, route to uh, substitute the buzz, I should imagine of of what play and what I uh, used to give them. And, and do you speak to them? Are they competitive with each other? Do they know each other's times? And oh, they, they would be competitive. As you said, it's in their, it's in their nature. Uh, you know, you know, Shane, Shane especially, you know, he's, he's a good character. And uh, yeah, he, he'd be loving the fact he's pushing himself you know, to the limit and that's what he's doing. And, and you, you spoke about the void there when, when he finished playing. You, you tell me, when, when, did you, when did you finish playing? Uh, six years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you jump straight into a job, or was there that void for you? I was very fortunate in the sense I stayed in the industry, so I stayed in rugby. I got given the opportunity to coach with Wasps, so that was a massive bridge for me. In fairness, to help you know bridge that gap between uh, what next in life really, because obviously the body's given up. I couldn't do what I used to do. Um, and obviously because of that, my performances weren't as good. But staying in the game helped uh, soften the blow, so to speak, because even though you're on the other side, uh, the management side, okay, the players will say it's the dark side I've gone to now, but um, you're still part of a group and a team, so you, you still have part of the banter and uh, you know, all the good things that go with it. You know, you, you're still in a team, but it's a different sort of team, isn't it? You know, we're up here, um, what's this place called? The Cameo? Yeah, Cameo, Cameo Poncana. Yeah. And you, you've, you've just discussed how the team, the, the staff would come here maybe for their Christmas parties. The parties would be different to what they used to be as a player, I'm sure. Um, not quite as rowdy, not quite as leery, perhaps. Yeah. The staff give us good things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it another way. Yeah. If it does get Larry, it has to be behind closed doors. Yeah, that's more. the key. Yeah, that's the key. And we've had, uh, just I think, we've had three, yeah, three Christmas parties up here. And, uh, you know, we've pretty much taken over the place, if I'm honest. You know, we've had the uh, uh, sound system blaring here and we've uh, enjoyed ourselves. But, uh, you know, it's credit to the people I, I work with. You're very fortunate in the staff we have in, in uh, the Scarlet. So, they all work hard, they're all ambitious to be the best, but they also want to enjoy, which is, which is what it's about, isn't it? Do you get much time 
Um, you know, because I'm sure we'll get into the comparison between football and rugby in terms of your downtime, whether it is going for a drink. I guess, you know, I, I think rugby players train harder than football players, if I'm honest. It's a different type of training. Um, not that is the there, focus there, is different. The working week would be different, though, because you guys play midweek as well. You, you guys would do so much travelling as well. You'd be on the road so much more. Okay, okay. the league we're involved in now, yeah, yes, we travel to obviously you know, Scotland, Ireland, it, Italy and South Africa. But, you know, we would play less amount of games in the season. Yeah. Where you guys would be, you spend a lot more time living in a hotel room than yeah, we, yeah. Would, we would. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it, it is a good point because certainly football, if you're talking championship level, League One, League Two, 24 teams, it's quite relentless in yeah. terms of the games. And if you have a cup run then as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and for you yeah, now, you, yeah. you're on the other side, the management. If you're a manager of, of a team in those leagues, you don't get much time on the, on the grass to coach. Yeah. Everything is recovery. Yeah. So there, it, there isn't much training, only maybe for the, the boys who aren't playing. So you're talking, you'd play on a Saturday, and not many teams give days off too often these days. Right, but, yeah. But let's go by the old model of you'd play on a Saturday, you'd be off on a Sunday, in on a Monday, which is two days prior, and one day before the next game, match yeah. day minus one, if it's a Tuesday. Yeah. Play on a Tuesday, recover on a Wednesday, yeah. Thursday maybe would be a training day, and then Friday is prep for another game. It's yeah, I'd, I'd find that tough from, from a coach's perspective because your time with the boys or your time on the grass is, is limited, isn't it? From you know, in football terms, you know, yeah. that, that's the I suppose the beauty of rugby uh, really is that you know we pretty much you know weekend to weekend, you know whether it be Saturday to Saturday, but you know we know the boys will be battered and bruised from, from the uh, the game so. Monday, Monday's a recovery day, really, a bit of a flush out. We might introduce some learnings or some new options that we're bringing in for the coming game. Tuesday, we work the boys quite hard. You know, Wednesday will be the um, recovery day. Then we work them uh, quite hard on, on a Thursday, in fairness, but obviously uh, for less of a period, because obviously we need the uh, um, tank of petrol full for the weekend. Yeah. And Friday, if we're playing home, we'll bring them in for... 20, 20, 30 minute session. So it's, it's that's similar to the football model, maybe not so much these days, but yeah. the football model that I'm used to. Right, yeah. I was used to with the majority of managers. Sim, similar sort of um, working week, if you like. It's changed a little bit now. Yeah. A lot of the modern day managers don't like to give days off. Um, for, for what reason? Surely the, 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 the mind is key, isn't it? If you, listen, as a player, yeah. you yeah. know, I know. Yeah. And you'll be aware as a manager, if I ever stepped into coaching, I'd think, as a player, even if I went in for a recovery session, as I'm driving in to see the same faces every single day, it, yeah. and that might be the players, that might be the staff at the canteen, yeah. sometimes you need to recharge and get away from it. The, the, there's so much emphasis put on the strength and conditioning side of the, of the game and all the science behind recovery and what have you. I think the mind is key, you know, and you know, not enough emphasis is put on keeping people happy because yeah. if you're happy, you'll do things so much better and you're motivated to do it and you'll come back in with a full, you know, I think you'll recover better because you enjoy what you do, there's more excitement and enthusiasm there. And you know, if, if I relate to rugby, because it's a contact sport, you've got to want to tattle hard, get up and repeat that yeah. process or carry hard and then just go, go again and, you know, try and brush off the bumps and bruises you, you get off. So. It, it, it is, you know, it's getting the balance right, but for me, trying, bringing people in for 
a small period of time, if you can give them the day off, give them the day off. Yeah. Far more beneficial. Because there are there's some managers who will have players in every day. Yeah. There's some managers, I think these days, modern football, a lot of them tend to go with a Sunday off. Yeah. Uh, sorry, in on a Sunday for a recovery and the other boys will train. Would they not ever put the ball in the player's court and say, you go to your local swimming pool or health club Sometimes. or hotel and heart rate monitor on yeah and, yeah. Ju and, and just you know you do it in your, your own time your own terms even if it's with your family or whatever yeah. do you mean? I'm, I'm sure some do yeah i'm sure some do i've i've had that before yeah. um but but generally it would be that sunday in off on a monday so right. monday's your day off yeah and then you're in so you're working then towards the saturday in tuesday wednesday thursday friday right okay um so it's a, it's, it's a different model, a different yeah. concept, and there's reasons behind it. They, yeah. you know, they will have done their research, I'm sure. Um, because in your position, what distance would you clock you know, on the GPS? Well, it depends which, which, uh, yeah. how old I was when, when, you, when you asked that question. <laughs> if it was towards the end of my career, not much at all. Um, well, you were reading the, reading the play, <laughs> do you mean? <laughs> you can't measure that play. Um, it's, it's a fair amount of yeah. distance, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, would you, uh, 10k, would you be up there? Probably. probably. Yeah, which, which you look, the highest with us would be 8k. Okay. Do you mean? Uh, but it is intensity. But by the time, yeah. you know, by the, by the end of my career, I'd, I'd ended up at smaller clubs who didn't have the equipment for, you know, yeah. real state of the art GPS systems. Yeah. yeah. I had it a couple of times and I liked the stats of distance run yes. because I'd be up towards the high end. Yeah. But that's not what they were looking at. As as things or the accelerations or the yeah. yeah. It's all about intensity. Yeah. So, so instead of looking at the distance covered, that was almost irrelevant. When yeah. when they first came out, everybody and still on the telly, if yeah. you watch a game of football, it comes up, uh, distance covered by yeah. the team, this yeah. player's done the most. They don't care about it. They, Unfortunately, they got clued on. They got clever enough yeah. to realise that that doesn't matter because I could jog when the ball's out of play. Yeah, yeah, just to get your GPS. Up. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yes, yeah, no, there's ways. Of, so you yeah. look at high intensity sprints. I think yeah. a sprint is counted as maybe over ten meters yeah. at, at a certain speed. Yeah, and maybe some players would would get X amount of those. I wouldn't get too many of those. Right. Yeah. Um, but surely the nature of your position would determine how many of those. Yeah, you'd have, wouldn't of course, it? Yeah. of course, the type of player you are. Yeah, um, and and that's the important thing. That's what's improving in football, is you know rugby is quite a quite a new sport in terms of professional sport. Yeah, it is. What are we talking? Twenty years. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, twenty odd years. Give or yeah. take a few. Yeah, football is still a far older sport, but it's still adapting its its methods and knowledge of what actually matters on the pitch. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's something. Periodization is a huge one learning about periodization um, again by the time i learned about periodization under certain coaches yeah it was almost too late for me because i'd 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 witnessed that within a welsh setup the yeah. welsh squad yeah when when i'd be in that squad and think oh this is the dream yeah you know all your training is based around getting you right for the match day yeah which is everything yeah it makes so much sense yeah and then i go back to my clubs with old school managers who just want to run, destroy you they want to run you on a tuesday yeah. double sessions if you've lost uh, then the day off's gone you have to come in and you're thinking mm. oh this is not what i need I, I think that's the key for a coach is you can't build your week on emotion you know, you've got to be clear you know no matter what the performance was you know, it basically is how you improve the performance. If, you know, during the course of the season, you are going to 
lose games you should win and and you know vice versa isn't it do you know I mean uh, or, or you're going to be up against it and it's going to be games are going to be a knife edge and you're going to win them but you can't have a knee-jerk reaction because I, I just think the players see that do you mean it, it, um, it it's not showing clarity in your thought process and how are you going to improve the team have you ever had that have you ever had a manager who'd uh, yeah, you, uh, you know, I played in France for two years. They were some, some of the guys I had up there were, were quite quite emotional. That was just uh, their nature. Uh, but uh, you, you, as a player, you have to go with the flow. Yeah, yeah, you, you have, have to. You have to yeah, go you, in. Don't you? Yeah, exactly. You it's your no. job. You're paid. Mm. Uh, you know, would would you be sitting in the dressing room? I'm not sure how, how yeah. good your French is, and hear the manager, the coach, yeah. just talking. You know, obviously he's not happy. Yeah. In a different language that you don't quite understand, and still you're thinking it's okay. I'll be down the beach tomorrow, <laughs> and then you turn to your mate and, who's the scrum half or whatever, yeah. and he says, "Nah, it's Dave, we're in, mate." Yeah. Now we wouldn't be down the beach because it was Claremont, and we were like four hours from the coast, so okay. I, knew, <laughs> I knew I knew we were going to be down the beach. But yeah, no, this isn't. You know, even when there was a language barrier, you could still understand when the coach wasn't happy. You know, mm. he's uh, <laughs> yeah, he's quite a character. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that's interesting because in France they do things differently anyway. So you you just have to go with with, with the flow. It's as simple as that. But uh, you know, some things were for the better. Mind if I'm honest, I thought they had a great attitude to um, you know, certain sides of the game. They put more emphasis on. Uh, you know, flexibility and how to improve yourself off the pitch where probably the UK emphasis is on lifting weights and heavy weights where they wanted the players to be able to move better yeah, um, yeah and you wanted the players to be more athletic which was, which was interesting uh, and from it, a backs perspective yeah. and is that, is that something that's seeped into rugby now because I, I think with it being still yeah. 20 years yeah. give or take a few uh, the fact that it got to a stage where the rugby players, all of you boys, ended up being big boys. Yeah. Contact, whereas it, from, I, I, from what I gather, it's, it's almost gone back now. Yeah, I think the way, you know, pretty much every year, uh, new laws are brought into the game and affects the game in a certain manner and how those laws are going to be reft or interpreted. And you look at a lot, lot of the laws that have been brought in that favoured the attacking team. Okay. And because of that, it... You know, the attacking teams have evolved into a more running sides. You know, there's a lot more ball movement now, which is great. It's, it's forcing guys to adapt and improve their skills, their catch-pass skills. Um, you know, the ball in play has also also increased. You know, I think some games are over 40 minutes now, where before they'd have been down to early th low 30s. Yeah. So there's a big difference. So. Therefore, people do not want, even though it's a contact sport and a collision sport, if you, if you can avoid the collisions from an attacking perspective, it's happy days. <laughs> but, you know, you don't want to carry, from a player's perspective, you know, any dead or extra weight. Because you want to be able to move well and quick and you want to be explosive. And you know that that player isn't going to be able to last the 80 minutes. That's right. You know, I, I know uh, you, you, you've got your eight subs, but, uh, but still, you know, you, you, can't, you can't afford to have all, all your forwards who are not going to last the game yeah so you've got to have you know you've got to make sure they're fit and and um able to get around the park the emotion aspect you, you you're talking there about how soul destroying it can be when you think you've got a day off yeah is it just not in your nature your character has always been one that would never go down that route anyway or have you just learned from other 
other managers and learn from their mistakes almost. If I was to lose a game and and I was if I if I was at the hand and to say right we lost the game right I want you in the next day is that is that what you mean? Yeah. I could never ever do that. It'd be because listen, you know. You, the environment you create and the culture you create should be good enough that the boys are given 100%. And if they give 100% and, and lose, you know, you've got no issues. You've got no issues. Um, um, that's the way I see, see things. You know, you, you can, at, sometimes you can maximise your performance, which is great, and, and lose. Do you mean, that that's happens, life. It? It's sport, do you mean? Like yeah. the, the amount of times with, with certain managers that You'd perform on a Saturday and win 2-0. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you are the best squad of players yeah. that has ever lived. Yeah. Right? Put in exactly the same performance the week after. Yeah. Or, or similar, maybe even better. Yeah. And you don't win the game. Yeah. You know, some something's your luck's against you or what have you. There's been a mistake. All of a sudden, I've, I've had those managers yeah. who then bring you in on a Sunday. I remember up in, in Inverness, uh, Terry Butcher, we were playing against Dunfermline, so bottom of the table clash. I was injured, so I was watching this game. Yeah. Uh, I think drew 1-1 in a game that needed to win, really. Dressing room afterwards, wasn't happy at all, fuming. And because I was injured, I watched the game, jumped in my car, drove, driving home. Next minute, I get a message off the physio. Uh, you're in tomorrow, Jonesy. Everyone's in. I'm thinking, I didn't even play, right? That was, the, that was my first time. I was in the garage, I yeah, remember. Yeah. I just, just put petrol in. I've watched this game once before, and the reason we were going in was to watch the game again, right? The full 90 minutes, not clipped, not highlighted. Not edited or nothing, not coded. The whole game, right? And I was furious. I, I reversed out of the, the garage, and it was my first ever bump in a car. Reversing <laughs> this big log, right? Uh, yeah. Just in anger, yeah. which, is, which is wrong of me, really. So we had to come in. I had to watch the game that I've already watched once. You know, and, and you just think, how can a manager expect addressing to react positively? Well, I can't, that's the answer. You know, I, it, it, his emotions got the better of him. It's as simple as that, isn't yeah. it? Because, uh, and that's clouded his judgment. Um, that's, that's the way I see things there. Um, you know, because as a, as a player, you, you haven't gone out to perform badly. Um, you know, and I, I take it back to the culture, do you know what I mean? Because if a culture of a group is good, do you know what I mean? You know, for me, culture precedes performance. You know, losing happens. It's mm. the nature of professional sports, isn't it? Do you know I mean? Uh, but the key is, as, as coaches, you always see how you can improve. And I think if your dialogue and conversations are little and often with the players, you're speaking to them, you know, and they're clear what their focus points are uh, and the path they're going down to improve, then I think you, you can eliminate those sort of things where you fall off a cliff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, you wouldn't get the best out of me if uh, you had to bring me in on no my day off. No Because these boys, they've got lives to uh, lead, especially you might have been penciling in the schedule a month in advance. They might have planned to do certain things with their family. or yeah. you, know, you don't get many days off. Exactly. That's the nature of professional sport. It's a long, long season, isn't it? And yeah. then to suddenly you know, lose it like that, it's just, it's, they, those things aren't beneficial. Have you seen a huge change then in rugby? You know, what, what was it like in those early days? Was it an emotion-based dressing room in terms of the management, get out there, you know how to play, and then you saw it almost come all the way to the other side of the spectrum, you know, tactically, 
almost to the yard you knew yeah. where you had to be. I, th- I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head then. When I started playing, it was massive emotion involved with the game. And uh, because sometimes the technical knowledge wasn't there, you, you'd just demand of yourself to bring a huge amount of emotion to try and cover that. Um, but obviously, as the game's gone professional and it's learnt a lot from other sports, uh, whether it be you know basketball, rugby league, football, NFL, you know, and you've got so many more specialised coaches now involved in rugby, and sort of each facet's broken down. Um, players know more answers now, have more answers now, yeah. therefore don't have to rely on as much emotion. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; you still got to want to do things and enjoy what you do. But I'd say a lot of the games I would have played, especially when I was younger, I'd have run out through the tunnel and not necessarily you'd have your blinkers on, but because when you have so much emotion and fuel inside you, you don't see the big picture. Mm. Um, so we, we try and get our players away from that. We try and get our players re- relaxed, try and encourage them to have little conversations, uh, you know, and. You know, I'd say the communication levels with our players be far better now. The understanding of their roles are far better. Um, you know, the whole package has, uh, has changed completely, really. And how much of that within rugby uh, has come from American football? Because I'm fascinated. I, I, I say to a few people, I'm not a fan of American football. I didn't know anything about the sport. And then got into a documentary se- series on Amazon, Amazon yeah. All or Nothing. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I haven't seen Hard Knocks actually. Yeah, uh, I've heard it's a, it's a good one, but all or nothing. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I've seen it. And just watched it from a purely uh, just wanted to watch something. A yeah, yeah. And got into it. Started learning about a couple of positions and, and this and that, and just fascinated by one the sport and how it's almost like human chess. Yeah. You know, you you know a quarterback is going to throw this ball, and you have to be if you're a wide receiver or whatever position you are, you have to be almost to the yard yeah. in this position and it'll it'll get there. Yeah. And also in terms of the tactics, fascinated by seeing, you know, splinter groups of loads of different sections based on your position, which is something that's coming into football. Yeah. Definitely in rugby. Yeah. And player ownership. So players would lead, you know, the, some meetings instead of hiding in the corner. Yeah, so where we're at now in rugby, we we have our playbook or our library. Yeah. Um uh and our, our players would know what we're taking into certain games, more importantly, why we're taking those plays into the games to understand if we deliver on those plays, why we'll get reward. Um, uh, the guys will talk about shaping defences, um, you know, maybe moving a defence a certain way or basically giving them a bit of bait to try and get them on a return play. So you're moving a team one way to get them uh, coming back the other way. Yeah. Or you might, you might have a play where you're moving a team a certain way, but you're coming back and, and you've, you've set up your best athletes against, in theory, their worst athletes. Yeah. So you're trying to create that um, defensive uh, mis- you know, mismatch, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, so lots of things have changed uh, from that aspect. And our players know our playbook uh, uh, inside out. Regarding growing the group is key. Um, you know, we believe, you know, that the boys are at the cold face, so they have to have the ability to sort of adapt and overcome. So we're trying to grow the group, and the group's 
growing well in fairness and where everybody feels comfortable that they can speak up if they have a question no matter what their age or or, or playing experience you know we we're getting some guys now senior players to mentor some of the young guys mm. um, and I, I, I you know where I'd like to progress things is that you know the guys in our units meeting which is just our back line more uh, of the previews are taken by the players but obviously it's led from the coach the coach might meet them like I might meet some of the players myself beforehand to go through a certain amount of clips they might say some of these points I'd like you to get across but then they might add a few more so they're at the front of the classroom delivering to yeah. the group because it's far more powerful if it comes from one of their peers it's just the ownership of it isn't it it's key it's key and um Growing the group, I think, is so, so important. So how, how do you go about that? Because I think rugby, I don't know if it's down to the guys who, who play rugby, it is different to football. I think the personalities in football, and, and it's something that's changing, speaking with yeah. Oshan Roberts, yeah. even with the young, the young squads, the young Welsh squads, yeah. that's something they're trying to develop so that the players are aware what's going on on the pitch, that they have to deliver to, to gain yeah. that knowledge, if you like. But yeah. I think rugby... The players are more open to, to getting up and talking. Footballers don't want to look yeah. stupid in front of their no, peers. No, I, I think, I think um, you know, if I look at the group we've got now, really good growth mindset with the players. So the players want to get better. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I look at myself as a coach. Uh, if I look back at where I am now, as opposed to my first year with the Scarlets, I would have probably been more dictatorial as a coach. Yeah. In the sense, like, I want, I want us to do this and why. Uh, and now we, you know, the players have more voice, and rightly so, that's how we should be. You know, and I suppose that comes with more comfort and experience from a coaching perspective that you're able to uh, hand over to the guys who have wonderful rugby knowledge anyway and a lot of good ideas. And I like, I'd like to feel that they're comfortable bringing those ideas uh, to the table. I think speaking in front of a group is a skill, mm. definitely. Um, that's probably one of the things I found hardest going from playing to coaching. It's okay being a senior player and you might have one point and you're, you're adding to a presentation that's already been made where when you're the coach, you've got the full lead, you're putting your ideas and concepts across. You're hopefully getting those views across, you know, because in that room, there's all different learning types. You know, I know they always talk about VARC, which is visual, audio, reading and kinesthetic. You know, sometimes you might have the language barrier if you've got foreign boys in, in yeah. the room as well. Um, you know, you're, so, yes, you have, might have cross-section of academic abilities from guys who might struggle to read and write to guys who, who've got you know, masters or degrees in the room. So you've got a varied group and how you get your message across is key. And I think over time that you know, I'm improving that aspect. I still think I need to improve in that aspect again. You're like, uh, where are we today? Uh, two days ago, I asked the uh, analysis guy just to film me because I just wanted to see my mannerisms. Did I get my points across? Because I had my points in my notepad, but did I get them across? Were they clear enough? Uh, did I get the players to ask enough questions? You know, was it you know, a two, two-way conversation? So just looking to improve all the time. That was going to be my next question, actually. Right. How, how do you become aware of 
whether you have tendencies because we all have tendencies I'll sometimes I'll, I'll listen back to a podcast and you pick up on something you keep on saying so whether it's an interview and you hear a player always saying uh, you know you know you know you know loads of them you know it's a I've just said it myself. <laughs> it's, a, it's a filler. Yeah. Instead of chucking exactly an, an um in there. And it might be, I think, recently from doing a... I'm not even going to say it, otherwise other people yeah. will pick up on yeah. it. But you're, you're aware enough to look back and study yourself to know if you're rambling on too long. Will you have a, two minutes to do a meeting? We try and keep our meetings as short as possible because at the end of the day, nobody likes being in meetings. Switch yeah, off. Exactly. The longer in, in there, the less information is probably getting uh, uh, tra- transferred. So we try and keep our meetings as short as possible. Some of the tendencies I, I have, I think when I get excited, I tend to speak too quickly. Yeah. It's just my uh, nature. And uh, the boys are brilliant because the boys pick up on everything. And uh, uh, they've told me, which is good for that's, me. That's, it, that it, is good. It, when I'm waiting to speak, yeah. I tend to be looking at my notepad and my lips start going. So, okay. <laughs> so you'll read it. Yeah, so I'm practicing what I'm about to speak before. Yeah. Say I'm following Wayne, the head coach. Yeah, so yeah, they've told me that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good that they say to you. That's oh, great. Because you know you've been a player in that dressing room. Yeah. And if a coach or a manager, he's yeah. got his tendencies, you'll yeah. take the piss out of him behind his back. Yeah. But you have to have... You have, you have to have an open relationship with, it, with your players. You, you, you have to enjoy what you do. You know, I, I still believe there's a time for banter and humour, because you know, that's the beauty of playing a team sport, isn't it? But providing you know, everybody knows when, when that finishes, you know, when you go on the training paddock, that's it. You know, nail this training session, get off, we can enjoy each other's company afterwards. Yeah. Uh, what, what is your role at the moment then, Steve? Official so, title. Oh, official title. So I do the t- attack really for the for the scarlet. Uh, so I look after the backs and do the team attack then. And what's the what's the aspirations for the future? For the future, because what we've discussed there about yeah. the, maybe the players being able to come to you and say, "Oh my yeah. God, look, this yeah. is what you do in your meetings when you talk," and they might take right, the yeah. piss out of you. Yeah. But if you take the head honcho, the job, the main yeah. job. I'm not sure if they can do that. They, you no, know, no, it changes, doesn't it? Yeah, don't get me wrong. The boys, don't, you know, you know they, they, there's they, a line. There's yeah. a line, and, and the boys know, know the line. But yeah, it's different uh, if you're at the helm. But you still have to be approachable. You know, I'm very, very fortunate now that Wayne uh, at the Scarlet created a wonderful environment. And you know, whether you're the youngest member of our group or senior member of our group, they feel they can go to him. Uh, and I, for me, that's key, um, because it's not just rugby. Is it? You know, uh, these boys are young men. They got to live their lives. You know, they got to be happy outside of of, of rugby, because yeah. at the end of the day, everything transfers, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're happy and enjoy what you do, you do it better. Yeah. <laughs> it's not no uh, uh, secret recipe, is it? I mean, yeah. To be honest, my interest of rugby is not what it used to be so living down in South Wales yeah. we used to train in the same place as the Ospreys yeah. for Swansea um, got to meet yourself uh, Dwayne Peel yeah. on a couple of occasions and then you have that interest because yeah. down South Wales you know it's in the newspapers yeah. at the time Cardiff and Swansea weren't in the Premier League so yeah. the back pages were rugby, rugby yeah. so it gets into you ingrained yeah. almost then moving away to Norwich up to Scotland I had an interest in rugby because I was battling with the rest of the guys in the dressing room. Ah, right, if, yes. If Wales are playing England, yes. I'm the only Welsh guy, so <laughs> you know that banter is there and and what have you. 
but living in North Wales almost, yeah, my eyes off the ball, yeah. Um, but it's been going pretty well at the Scarlets, by yeah. what I gather, yeah, yeah, you know, the last two seasons, especially, uh, uh last year we got to the final of the league, a loss to uh Leinster, um, in Dublin, and we got to the semi finals of uh Europe. And lost to Leinster in in Dublin. So, so they were, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they won the double in fairness to them, and you know, they they set the bar high, which is wonderful. Yeah. And you know, we we want to get o- over them, do you mean? Because you know, they set fantastic standards, um, which which is great, which is great. You know, you look at how many of those Leinster players are playing for Ireland. It's the majority of them. Yeah. You know, they're up to second in the world. You know, they're ticking so many boxes at the moment. That's great for us. You know, um, and the year before that, we actually won the league. So uh, it's uh, it's exciting times, Joe. Yeah. We, we, what I enjoy, go to work with good people. You know, um, who are energised, who want to be the best, and you know whether it be staff or or players. And it's key now. You can see the the young guys coming through. We we our, our senior academy train with our our group, and you know. They're training with test lions, you know, the highest standard you can get. So it's great for them to see that they might have been the, the big fish in the small pond, yeah. but now this is a reality. And, you know, it's good. You, you test your skills against the best. Yeah. But obviously with success comes changes. And I see the, the gaffer. Yeah. I'm not sure if you call him the gaffer in rugby, but he's yeah. off. Yeah, he's, it's fantastic for him. You know, he, you know he's done a fan, brilliant job with his Did you scars. know him before? Uh, no, he actually um, signed me back because I was coaching up in Wasps and he uh, uh, approached me to come back to the, the Scarlets and uh, yeah, I'm grateful to him for that. But absolute pleasure to work with. The guy who's got great energy, uh, love, loves the game. Really? Loves the game, loves, you know, great with people. Yeah. And uh, I think that's just a fantastic quality, isn't it? But does that, does that leave you, I know you're obviously a, a club legend at, at Scarlets, um, you know, you're nodding your head there. You know, <laughs> I was expecting. I go, oh, I'm not sure about that, all right. Uh, but you were nodding away. Um, you took me up there. <laughs> but are you in a situation as staff are? Sometimes a manager leaves, and it leaves uncertainty. So coaching staff would be thinking, one, am I going to go with him? Two, uh, I, I you know, is a new guy going to come in? What's different here is that normally when a boss leaves, it's normally down to results, you know, and it's. It happens straight away, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. With, with, with this is a, a transition of uh, where are we? X amount of months till, till, till the end of the, the World Cup. So what's that? Fourteen months away. Okay. So it gives the club plenty of time, and, and Wayne plenty uh, of time to you know, decide which way he wants to, to go or the club which way they want to go. Yeah, it's a it's a strange one, really, isn't it? Yeah, because it's not the normal. It's not the norm, is it? You know. What if they, What if you have a bad season next year? Can, can <laughs> they? I did not think of that. Can yeah. they change their mind? <laughs> you can have him yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, oh, Wayne's contracts are watertight. Yeah. <laughs> and he he's the man. Obviously, you're t- you know you're talking about him. Um, how good he is with you guys. That he's a, he seems to be a modern yeah. thinking coach. Yeah, and you know. Um, you know, drive standards, you know, works hard uh, from how he manages the staff, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing when you think of it. You're, you're at the helm, you've probably got 45 to 50 players, not far off 20 odd, 30 staff as well. It's a lot of people to manage, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and uh, 
there's always going to be issues or situations because you're young men, you're, you're ambitious, you, uh, staff members you want to be the best they can. So to bring it all together like he does is, is a great quality. And to go back to the point uh, that we were discussing earlier about days off and yeah. you know, keeping the players' minds fresh, yeah. I think a big thing in football these days, managers don't stay in a job that long. Even if they're successful, yeah. there's probably a window of two years and the pl- it's almost like the manager wants a new challenge or the players need a new voice because of the intensity maybe, you know? Yeah, I, f- I find it interesting because, uh, you know, I, I love football, I love watching uh, football and I, I, it's one thing I find hard is that if you're going into manage a football team, before you had the whole room, before you signed every player in that room, it probably taking three years with it to get a new room. Yeah. So you're going into a, a team and you're inheriting the squad. So you're not having the, the players you want. They might not have the skill set they want. They might not have the, the personality traits that, that you want or team characteristics that you want. And then... But they're on contracts. You they're on contract. And, uh, yeah, and, and the top man is saying, right, you know, they're getting told by the board of directors, you know, win on Saturday. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because... To, to get a, t- a group together it takes a while and you know why were Manchester United so successful I suppose consistency of manager would be one contributing factor wouldn't it yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah. and I've done a podcast this week yeah. I don't know when this one's going to go out but um with a friend of mine Darren Way right so he's the manager at Yeovil Town yeah League, League Two club yeah he is what did he say he's almost in the top 10 longest serving managers in the Football League and Premier League yeah, he's been there two and a half years. That is amazing, right? So amazing. Ninety-two clubs. He's almost in the top ten. Two and a half years, and he's now. So they're just early stages of pre-season. He's now starting to get his team to play the way he wants them yeah, to play. There we are. Yeah. So all of a sudden, he now looks in the dressing room and thinks, "This is almost what want, entirely yeah. my dressing yeah. room." Yeah, which is great, isn't it? Two and a half years. No manager, almost no manager lasts that long. To get it, to that stage. Isn't the championship something like 10 months or something on average, around that mark? Yeah. It's like... It's, so I, I, it's interesting because obviously, yes, you can bring you know, ta- new tactics and new ideas or concepts. And a, I understand a different voice. But to play your, your tactics and, your, your, and the way you want to play and to have that group of players, you know, 10 months doesn't give you that opportunity. Maybe, Steve, maybe that's why these managers, in terms of days off, want these players in as much as possible. Because they want to get their ideas across as soon as possible yeah. because it's such a short window that they might lose their yeah, job. Yeah, I, I understand that thought process, but I think the, yeah, what swallows that up is if your players are energised and charged, whichever formation, you, you get more out of them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I know they're think, probably thinking time on the grass is limited and that they want to maximise it, but... Got to get to know the player and what, yeah. what makes a mind tick, don't you? Exactly. How do you get to know a player in 10 months? Or whatever period you're given, how do you motivate that player? Which ones, the player, or you need to, you know, give it to him straight between the eyes. Or who's the player you put an arm around? Or who's the player who you know might be struggling with injury and you know he's got a lot more to offer, but he just needs time out of the game. Or who's the player who might have something going on outside of football that you know needs to address that first yeah. before he nails. You know, play, playing well. So many things Cause to... Because the, they can be the difference between you losing your job yeah. and, and keeping your job. And, yeah. and to go back to Darren at Yeovil, watching them train this week, uh, and um, one lad was running past 
I think he'd been training, he's been injured, so he's doing yeah. a, a run by himself. Just asked him a couple of questions. Then he turned to me and he said, um, I don't think I'm giving away any of his secrets here. Um, he says, he'll take off that he wants to make contact with every player on an individual basis. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how that is, whether it's a quick hello and yeah. how's a family, or it it's might key. be, you know, and he'll take off whether it's based on a day that he wants to take off X amount or in a week that he wants to touch on everyone. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think that's great. And you look at Guardiola, he, he, he's like that, isn't he? He yeah. wants to know his players, what makes them tick, yeah. how they are emotionally, how, you know, how they are you know, mentally, you know, how they are physically. Um, I think the best too, because they realise it's not just the, the technical side of the game. It's only it's only one facet, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's how do you get that person optimising his performance, and how do you get that person to keep on growing and getting better? Yeah. And you know, the, probably the, the, the challenge is older players as well. They're different to younger players in the sense, you know, they've got to feel valued. Yeah. They got to enjoy what they do, uh, you know, and you, you've got you you have to keep on challenging your older players as well, because otherwise they'll you know stagnate. Yeah, and they they can be the poison almost. They they can. The older players tend to command the dressing room. I think it's changing, you know, in, Is it? in yeah. football. I I saw a huge change from maybe starting off, and and you would see a dressing room full of. Well, you know, not full of, but a lot of senior heads. Yeah. And you, whoever you spoke to, it'd be, you know, you need these senior players in there. There'd be a handful in a team. Right, yeah. And then as the years went on, and I was getting closer to my 30s, I'm thinking, oh, shit, it's changing here. Yeah, yeah. Because it's getting a young man's game because teams wanted more energy. Yeah. They wanted um, more of a pr pressing game, uh, which needed more fitness, young yeah. legs uh, yeah. all across the pack, not just the middle of the pack, and resale value. So young players okay, almost yeah, went from... Having no voice in the dressing room, having it being shy and the senior pro yeah. pros controlling everything, almost to the complete opposite where young players these days can control a dressing room. You know, it's up to you to adapt as a senior player really because they have more of a voice. Yeah, that's it's interesting. It, it is an interesting one. Yeah, because obviously their experiences would be less, but they are relating to what they can give on the pitch, which they might feel is more. They're more valuable to yeah. the club yeah. in terms of that resale value. So would you say the average age of squads has dropped or not? I would imagine so. Yeah. And that can be down to the amount of the players coming through the academies. Yeah. So where, do, where do those players go? Yeah. You know, they, they drift from Premier League to Championship League, One League Two. There's so many players that are out of contract at the end of the yeah. season that it yeah. just means there's so many players to, to snap up. It's tough, isn't it? And but obviously, if, if you've got players coming through your academy, normally cheaper, yep. more loyal, you know. So you those know. senior players yeah. who, who can be negative, they can be great if you've got the right type, of course. Yeah. But what you don't want is a disgruntled senior player who maybe has been playing for the last four or five years, yeah. all of a sudden this manager isn't picking him, so he'll, he'll chew the ear of the guy next to him in the dressing room. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't want that. It just yeah. spreads. Yeah, that's the problem. I, I, you, know, I, you, you, you can't have any old player, as you said, be a negative in the dressing room, or if he's blocking a youngster's pathway or inhibiting someone's growth. Yeah. You can't have that. Yeah. Because he knows, you know, you, you've got to have people who are happy to share in other people's Absolutely. success. Yeah. What about you, Steve? Do you miss the buzz? You know, I, you've spoken about the success that the Scarlets have had the last couple of years. But I can't imagine it quite 
it's not quite the same buzz. Uh, every manager coach I speak to, yeah, it's almost a relief when you get that good result, and then the planning starts for the next one. Yes, yeah, um, I think the buzz of playing and winning, and if you're happy with your performance, is an amazing buzz. And you know, for every played professional sport, it's just like the best pat on the back you can get, really. Um, and being in management, obviously. It's the closest thing you can get to that, but it's, it's not the same. Um, you know, coaching, I, get, I do get satisfaction in, in the sense if, if the performance goes our way and we've implemented our game plan, seeing the satisfaction of the players are winning, because you, you know what emotions yeah. they're, they're feeling, which is, is brilliant. But the, the biggest emo- uh, feeling you can have is when you play and win and deliver your performance that that's the best drug of all I think but it's not something that you chase like maybe Ryan and Shane do their fitness stuff oh yeah I, I don't I don't necessarily chase it now no no definitely I, I'm I'm quite happy I've got to be honest uh, I'm quite happy very fortunate enjoy what I do enjoy the people I work with and then it's it's family time it's as simple as that at the moment you know how to switch off yeah I, I, I think you know you learn, you, you learn that over the years as well. But as a player, I was very much a reflective learner. Mm. So you play a game and you know, after the game, going through decisions in my head, you know, why did I ball play early there? Or should I put that ball behind? Do you mean just little things? Just, and that, that, that's just how I used to look at, at the game myself before you go into work on the Monday and you've got your laptops and everything. Cause I pretty much knew all the situations I'd been involved in and I'd gone through them myself. Yeah. You know, so the footage only gave me really confirmation of what my thought process was on most occasions. Yeah. What were yeah. you like before games? Uh, yes, earlier, uh, the younger I was, definitely. The younger you were, the yeah. more nerves you had? Yeah, the older I got, the better I dealt with them. Um, I took massive confidence if our working week had been good. Really? Yeah, and... Uh, the team I was playing in, if it was a good team, I took massive confidence in that. Okay. Uh, if our working week hadn't been productive or uh, disjointed or our game plan wasn't clear, then... You'd worry about it going in? No, w- w- yeah, not worry. I just, you know, my co- you know I, I wouldn't be the same sort of, yeah, confidence then, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I was the opposite, you know. Yeah. I, almost the younger I was, I look back and think to... Whatever game it would have been, yeah. whether it was a, a final here or a final yeah. there. And I think it seems like another lifetime, but I, I look back to that time and I wasn't concerned. It must have been just another game. And then the older I got, yeah. I think because physically I was, I was damaged and I would worry yeah. more about getting through a game. game. You know, and, and, and yeah, well, you, you, you wouldn't have had those concerns as a, as a younger man. Just play. Yeah, exactly. I, it, it's interesting because you get a cross-section with the young boys. Some worry and some... It's not the naivety of youth or whatever, but some Each they go out there as if they're playing in their own backyard with their, with their brother or their mates. Yeah. And you think, yeah, this is brilliant. You mean he's in front of X amount of thousands of people here and he's just playing like he's playing with his mates. Other people take time to adapt to it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, wow. You can see they don't move as freely. You know, they're, uh, they're not as... Uh, it's, like, it's like they played the game a few times in their, in their mind before actually going out there. Overthinking. Just, yes. So that would be the equivalent of a footballer hiding from the ball. 
Right, not one thing about. I don't mean that in a in a horrible way. It's just yeah. sometimes it's easy not to make that two yard yeah. movement to get on the ball. Yeah, I, th- I think there's some great things, isn't there? You, uh, it's like uh, it's easy not to make a mistake, isn't it? And in, in any sport, I suppose, and like in, in rugby, it's, you know, you can come off the field not having made a mistake, but then you haven't got yourself on the ball. Yeah. You know, and we say to our young boys, you know, you know, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Just get out there. You know, to try and overcome that. Yeah. Just you know, try and get your hands on the ball early. You know, the more you do, the better it's for the team. You know, you just try, try and get the boys. You know, the confidence. And at the end of the day, you're picking them for a reason because you believe in them. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And playing for Wales, biggest buzz. Yeah. I, you or, is know, that a, or is that a cliche? Yeah. Do you know, our stadium's amazing, and it is the, the Principality Stadium, as it's called now. It, you know, it is unbelievable. Just the noise, the atmosphere. That, that is, it's first class, it's as simple as that. I, and you go to other stadiums in the world, you know, the start of France is a great, great stadium, but crowd are further away. Yeah. You know, um, the stands are not so sheer, so the noise isn't, isn't as uh, on top of you. Um, so probably a bit biased, but also, you know, th- there's reasons why it's the best, especially when they close the roof, the, the noise just stays in. So, uh, yeah. Did it, did it become just not normality for you? Because it's funny, people ask, oh, what's the best thing that happens happened in my career? Yeah. And I, I reflect on it and I say, you know, playing for my country. Yeah. At the time, I, I, can't, I can't lie and say that at the time, I knew that this was the, the biggest honour of all. Yeah. It was almost like part of my work, which is, yeah. sounds crazy to some people. It was, yeah. I would train with my club, I would get called into a squad, I would then train with the Welsh squad, I almost didn't want to overthink it. Yeah, you saw it as part of a process. Yeah. Yeah, where I suppose when you finish, you, you look back and you reflect and it's like anything in life. So sometimes you don't realise something was great till it's gone. Yeah, yeah. And then you look back and think, wow, that was, a, that was amazing. Yeah. And sometimes the, the key is, is that, you know, as a pl- player, you know, you've got to remind yourself to enjoy those moments, special moments, enjoy the good times. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I suppose it's like any of us. If we were to go back, we we do things differently. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And play, playing for Wales, you know that number ten jersey, Stephen. Did you always feel that there was someone up and coming that the, almost the press wanted to, to replace you because yeah. you, you you were maybe not the type that they were used to with? Yeah. I don't know. You tell me who was before you. And, and yeah, I think we're well, fortunate. You know, Wales were traditionally associated with outside arms, so with small, drinking, agile. That was the traditional style that Wales had produced. You know, very, very good, good players who could beat people easily. You know, Neil Jenkins had played before me. Who, he was the one who really blo- broke the mould in the sense he, he could control the game. Yeah. His, his, his kicking was world-class. You know, defensively, he was very good, you know. Uh, so he ticked certain boxes that maybe the players before him hadn't ticked. Okay. So he bore the brunt of the, the a lot of the um, uh, not criticism, but the style style of play. But if you look at the majority of the modern day outside half, that's what what they are. Yeah. Your 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 guys who can really beat people uh, in a phone box, they tend to play either scrum half or on the wing or back where they actually get more space and time on the ball okay so they can actually control who they're running at to get those mismatches and you know shape them so that they can set them up and beat them on the inside shoulder yeah. where the outside half channel now 
is a lot of traffic down there. Yeah. That's just the nature of it. So you got you bullseye on your chest. Yeah, you ha you have to be able to defend defensively. It's just if if you can't hold your own there, your whole team's at a disadvantage because you're back foot from moment one, and then it's a vicious circle in rugby. You're going, uh, you're on the back foot. Uh, you, you, it's so much easier for the the team who've got the ball. You know they come onto the ball harder. You know uh, the defensive team. You know, has to work around and go around bodies to get, to get back. So it's like a snowball effect. Uh, and obviously, where the outside half defends from set piece, whether it be scrum or line out, you have to block that channel up yeah. and hold your own. And then, if you hold your own there, then the defensive line can just you know it's a different position to what it what it once was. Yeah, yeah. The, the the roles and responsibility have changed dramatically of what. Outside half would have been in the seventies or the eighties. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in terms of playing, you might miss the buzz. How much do you miss the pressure? Because I know a couple of years ago when I did have a more keen eye on rugby. Yeah, I've seen you over some pressure kicks, whether it's for the Lions, for Wales. Uh, yeah, it's... what was the worst one or best one? However you look <laughs> at it. Uh... I remember the day that my. Sister-in-law, my wife's sister, was getting married. Yeah, to one of my best friends. Yeah, and I was an usher. Yeah, and I was needed indoors. Yeah, but it was in the. You tell me what game it was. Two thousand and nine, I think. Ah, uh, be Wales Island. Is no, that right? no, no Lions. Lions. Yeah, yeah. We, where were you? South Africa. Yeah, South Africa. Yeah, and I was listening. I think it was maybe the second test. I was listening to it in the car. Mm. And I, I got such a bollock in. Yeah. I was stuck there, I couldn't leave. Did it did it did the game not drag on into added time and stuff? And yeah, then you we, had a kick. Yeah, we were winning all the way through the game and uh we had a penalty late, late, late in, in the game and it it was to pull further ahead and thankfully the kick went over, but then uh South Africa pretty much scored in the last play of the game in the corner. And uh, the outside half, a guy called Mornay Stain, came on. It was his home ground, so he knew the pitch inside out, and bang, he just you know put it over last kick of the game. But yeah, it, it was for me. It was a wonderful, wonderful to, game to play. It is by far and away the most brutal game I played in. Really? Yeah. And you know, the laws have changed dramatically now about the contact area and where you can tattle. Uh, you know where high tattle is now, and these seatbelt tattles they talk about. But it was bizarre because we lost, and then obviously we'd lost the series because we were two 0 down. Went back to the change rooms, and it was pretty much empty because like we'd had about six or seven guys who'd already gone to the hospital to get operated on, to get checked out, to get X-rayed. Yeah, it was bizarre because you know it's like you go into the change room, you know you collect your thoughts for a couple of minutes, then. You want to show, share your emotions and yeah. your the experiences you just had with your fellow players, but there's hardly anybody there. Really, <laughs> it was bizarre. Just yeah. a massacre. It was a massacre. Yeah. But like, you're you're stepping over that kick, and I promise you, I couldn't leave the car. Yeah. Right. The radio's yeah. on, and I knew I had to be somewhere. I I, I didn't have a speech that, that yeah. day. I maybe missed someone else's speech, yeah. but I could not leave. For, you know, for love nor money, no chance. But, but what was it like in that pressure moment? Because. People, I've been a professional sports person. Yeah. I can't quite put myself. I've taken a penalty in front yeah. of sixty thousand in yeah. a shootout. Yeah. But I've never had that kick, the it, one kick. And you, you would have thought at the time that was to win it. I thought that was to to, to win the series. To uh, sorry, to win that game and to level the series at one all. And it was interesting because 
two, oh, it might have been a year prior to that, we'd gone out to the same place as Wales, yeah. to play South Africa, and not far from that area. And I'll never forget, one of these guys had one of the lasers on the ball okay. in, in the crowd, you know, the. Yeah, yeah, green so, laser. Yeah, green laser, yeah, yeah. exactly that. So I was thinking, I, I wonder if they're going to put, uh, someone's going to start lasering the, this ball, but no, they didn't. It wasn't my greatest strike, but I was delighted. That so you, you were prepared, waiting for wonder, someone to yeah, distract you, yeah? I wonder if someone's going to start lasering this now, but then as soon as you're into your process, that's it. And uh, yeah, it wasn't my greatest uh, strike, a little bit of right to left movement, but uh, yeah, it was good enough to go over. And, and of course, you're playing at altitude there, yeah. so the ball travels uh, further. A bit further. And you know that you've done the prep yeah, yeah. going into the game. Yeah. You know which grounds yeah. have, have that altitude. Yeah, yeah. And you have to adapt and change your game to that. Uh, yeah, but for kicking, if goal kicking is an advantage because it's, it takes out one factor in the sense you don't really have to worry about distance. It's just yeah. your line is key. The line well, kick. Were the lines towards different to anything else? Yeah, they, they were because uh, it's a pinnacle for uh, a rugby player, you know. You obviously you play the Six Nations and you're you're up against these guys that are elite of other countries. You play against them in club games and European matches, and then suddenly they're in your dressing room. Yeah, and it's interesting because you've got different rugby cultures, different rugby philosophies coming together, and you're coming together with pretty much no prep time. You're going into a country's backyard. They want to smash you. Yeah, you know the the, the media associated with it is uh, is wonderful. And it's, it's just magnified from um, international rugby, really. It's yeah. just a step up. But it's brilliant experience. Brilliant experience. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Are you one that will go on the tours as they go on? I haven't been as yet. Uh, I can't see why not, because you know, I, I love rugby, do you know what I mean? And you know, to go and watch you know, is... And I know it was the pinnacle. Yeah. Surely someone will pay for you to go start, <laughs> as an ambassador. <laughs> Just put that out there. Was, yeah. <laughs> it's out there now. Have you, have you ever wanted to dabble in the media? Or was it straight into coaching? It, it, it wasn't for me. The media's not for me. Um, apart from your podcast, I, I try to keep away from... Uh, really? Yeah. Um, because, you know, my focus is simple. It's just, you know, I, I love rugby. It's just how to get... You know, how to improve, how to get better, and how to evolve. That that that's the, the side I enjoy. I understand the media is a massive part of sport, yeah. Uh, but it's just not my preference really uh, regarding you know going into the media or passing comment or um, analysing the game. I'm not saying that. It's not saying that might not change. Don't get me wrong, but I just love the sort of. Is it is it a hard thing. one? You know, you you're obviously. A- just a, you're obviously a good guy, right? And I know that you would speak to anybody. Anybody asks you a question, you'd answer it and you'd have that conversation. Is it hard sometimes to talk about your sport, you talk about rugby, myself talking yeah. about football, yeah. with people who haven't played it? Because it is different. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, and I think the key to remember is that, you know, it's like anything, 99% of people are brilliant, aren't they? Do you mean, they, they might, might not have realised how they've worded a question. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, and you've got to think, right, okay, he, you know, so your standard question is, what went wrong at the weekend? Yeah. Do you mean? You know, and then, you know, well, there's lots of things, but I don't want to go into the, you know, but you have to give people the time of day because, uh, you know, 
obviously you can't go too into the analytical side of the game, but you you have to hold the conversation well, and say we'd have Alan Tate at Swansea. Yeah. Any time a fan would come up to him and say, yeah. well, if we lost, what happened on the weekend? Yeah. We lost, mate. Yeah. That's I, what you'd say. <laughs> which is, you know, so ruthless. It's yeah. just you're right. But it would, it would kill the conversation, probably. Yeah. So some, which is exactly what you want. <laughs> yeah, you know. exactly. But you're right. They, they, sometimes they just want to make contact. Yeah. And they they just want to have that chat. Yeah. Um, and it is the way that they word the question. It's just sometimes yeah. when you speak to people, everyone has their opinion. Yeah, and right, yeah, and rightly so. Yeah. It's just sometimes if they speak to you as if this is what you should have done. Yeah. And you're you're thinking, oh my god, I can't, I can't yeah. have this yeah. this chat. Or if someone says starts criticizing someone, you think that's my teammate now. Yeah. He's given his best. Do you mean? Or and you might you might he might have been caught up, but it wasn't his fault. It might have been someone else who was meant to cover his channel or do something, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you, you, yeah, you can't go into it that deeply. Can't, yeah. And it's not worth, you know, because you'll be there for a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so any, any, do you keep fit now, Steve? Do you do anything? I'm not, I'm not in great shape at the moment, I'll be honest with you. I, we had a run out last week. Yeah, right? and I'm struggling for, for days afterwards. Uh, you know, so I, to explain, we had a football competition with the FAW um, businessman, I yeah, think it was, wasn't it? Yes, CEO, CEO Kickabout. Kickabout, and we were on the Swansea team. We were robbed. We were robbed. And I saw your competitive uh, nature come out, Steve. You know, <laughs> oh, it, 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 it came out of, of myself on a couple of yeah. occasions. Someone tried to two-foot me and I... <laughs> Skip past him, scored, and um, the one game that we lost, all I heard when we were a couple of goals down, yeah. and I think I don't know if you gave the ball away or the, what, whatever happened, and someone's just shouted, "You should have stuck to rugby, mate." Yeah, and then no, I, 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 I remember it clearly. And I saw, <laughs> and I saw the next pass go down the channel, yeah. and this exact same guy who'd shouted was first to reach the ball. And Stephen Jones was running behind him, and all I saw was this, this shoulder badge right in the middle of his back until he was eating grass. Old habits they had, and you couldn't have scripted it. But the problem was, uh, it was a boiling hot day as well, and it was, I, th I think this was our third game, and we were losing, we were 3 0 down, and I'd been dreadful. I lost so much ball, and I was filming with myself, and the, I just basically passed the ball to nobody, and it just ran over the. Uh, uh, the touchline and this guy said stick to rugby and it was just like the f it was basically Red the match to a ball. And, uh, ironically it wasn't the long left of the game and we were chasing the ball together I thought this is too good an opportunity <laughs> but, but I don't think uh, uh, nobody else clocked onto it yeah. I knew exactly what everyone else would have thought oh, it's a late tackle by yeah. Steve or yeah. you know he's tired or something yeah. but that was lined up. Yeah. Well, I, I, as soon as he said the comment, I looked at him and remembered him, and it's, those are all happens from playing days. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was just yeah, it was too too good an opportunity to be missed. We'll, we'll yeah. wrap this up shortly, Steve. Yeah. But you know, contact there in that game, a little little kick about. We were both stiff afterwards, I'm sure. That element of rugby, surely you don't miss that. Definitely not. It is it, it's tough. It is very very tough, and. You know, we do not do much contact in training now. We can't. Um, you know, we graded you know, our training sessions at three different levels. One's pretty much non-contact. Two is where you put a sh shoulder in, but it's very controlled. And three is, it's all on. And we basically don't do level three uh, because the boys are so conditioned to tackling well. <clears> the fences <throat> are so well organised, and it's play you know, it's player well-being. We d we don't want our players to get injured. And go on, carry on. And when the, when you're 
in the stands watching the game, it is completely different to when you're pretty much by the, the players and you know the 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 level of contact that they go through is is tough. As it's in, tough. if you're if you're pitch side, you can hear the bumps and the. Well, from from a football yeah. perspective, it's very different contact right, wise. Yeah. But I I would say to people, you know, whether it, a lot of the time it was when I was injured at Swansea, yeah, and I'd be up watching the game in a box, so I'd be watching yeah. in the stand. And you hear the comments around you about well, why is this guy doing this? Why is he not turning and passing yeah. the ball? And I would say to them, because then with 10 minutes of the game to go, I'd head down to be in the dressing room after the game. Yeah. And I'd watch, I'd go through the tunnel and watch pitch side of Liberty Stadium. And even for me, the game is completely different. I, I would almost want to turn to this guy who's 27 stone, you know. Athlete. Watches sport on his sofa, <laughs> eating what's it. Yeah. Um, to just go down that tunnel, if he's ever able mm. to, so that you're pitch side, level with the players, you see the steam coming off their heads, yeah. Yeah. the space isn't there. Yeah. It isn't, is it? No, it isn't. And it, it is very easy when you just go to the stands and, yeah, you're right. You, you can, it's so easy to see what to do and how it should be done. But the reality of it is when you know, fatigue's involved, emotions involved, you know, there's so many things in sport, isn't there? Yeah. That, you know, it's just, you know, and guys are giving their best, aren't they? That's what we have to remember. They are trying their best. And it is hard sometimes to, to see the whole space. Is it, is it purely injuries that you look at? Or uh, I know in the last few years, CTs and concussions uh, have become a big factor. Does they, it come to your thinking? They're, they're massive at the moment in, in, in rugby and we're still trying to learn a lot. Obviously, a lot's come over from the NFL. Uh, you know, the, our players now are looked after better than they've ever done and rightly, sure, rightly so. You know, if someone has a bump, um, you know, they can come off the pitch to be uh, assessed so that they have these head injury assessments and that's a 10-minute process and then the decision gets made by a medical expert whether that player returns to the pitch or not. Years ago, it would have been magic sponge and how many fingers I'm holding up and... And that would have happened to you loads. Yeah, and that's how it was, that, you know. Um, but the player welfare now is far better. You trust the process, you trust that medical yeah, staff, I think, or, I think, or do you yeah. sometimes think, well, I would have, I would have played on here? It's, it's, the process is there to obviously safeguard the player, which is key. You know, have we got it right yet? I think there's still a lot of learning to be done, because it's new. Yeah. Um, and, you know, concussions, you know, the damage impacts cause, you know, it's, you get contrasting opinions from different neurosurgeons. Yeah. So it's, the best thing is, is, is looking after the players. You know, I think over time it'll evolve and get better. Yeah. You know, which is what you want. We can't finish the conversation on concussions, so <laughs> I might as well ask you a token gesture. Highlight of the career. Highlight of my career would be 205, Wales Grand Slam. The first one? First one, purely because that team had been together for New Year's, pretty much assembled by Steve Hansen, mm. lost X amount of games on the bounce, but he put that team together because he believed that those players would grow, get better, learn, and eventually become productive. And that's what we did. We, we've gone through a tough process to get to the high of 2005. And, just driving in on the bus to, to Cardiff, it was a boiling day, there's so many Irish around because the Cheltenham Festival had been that week, so they'd been at the races as well and they stayed over. They were going for the Triple Crown 
Um, so Cardiff was rocking, and, yeah. and it was just great to be a part of that. Steve Hansen, top coach. Fantastic. He, he again is massive for culture. Um, you know, he the environment is key. Uh, you look what he's done with New Zealand. You know, to keep them at the top, and everybody's chasing them, and other countries have bigger playing rugby populations than them. Yeah. So. You know, what he does is, is fantastic. Well, funnily enough, the yeah. All or Nothing documentary I was talking about earlier with the American football. The go, go on and the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah, it's just recently, I've, I've watched it recently. Any good? Be, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you would know better how much insight you're given, but I think in terms of the All Blacks, right, it's yeah. more than has ever been seen before. Ah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, so you get to know their methods. There's one coming out on Man City as well. Oh, is there really? So I look forward to that. That would be a good one. Yeah. And that's on Amazon, is it? Amazon Prime. And hopefully yeah. they can sponsor you now with the amount you've uh, plugged them. Oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't <laughs> it? Steve, we'll get, get you out of here on that. It's, um, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. There's no one better from the rugby world. Ryan, Ryan Jones, yeah. yeah. Ryan can piss off now. <laughs> Ryan can piss off. It's been a pleasure, Steve. Thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. Yeah, There we have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Stephen Jones. Huge honour to be sat and uh, have a long conversation with him. Big thanks, uh, to, obviously, to him for his time and also to uh, the Cozy Club in Poncana, um, the scene of many Christmas parties that Stephen's attended, but a little bit quieter this time, a couple of coffees. Um, so huge thank you to them for their hospitality and allowing us to use the, uh, use the room upstairs. I'm sure you'll agree. Anyone who's listened to previous episodes, something a little bit different. And um, yeah, fascinating. Brilliant chat. Thanks to Stephen. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Uh, tell a friend. Subscribe. Uh, to keep downloading future episodes. Download previous episodes if you haven't done already. And hopefully you keep on enjoying. This was the Longman's Football World.